Hi guys, guess what? This is my very first YouTube slash podcast and I'm super excited. I'm sure you're staring at her guest right now, but she has had an illustrious career in the 80s. She was the It Girl, starring in films like Private School, Tomboy, Avenging Angel. She became an 80s icon, went on to raising two beautiful boys, then came back to portray Jill Tuck in all the Saw movies, three through seven, and guess who's here today? Yes, Betsy Russell. Thank Hi. you so much for coming. Thank you for having we me. We are really good friends. Yes. We, she worked with me, she works with me, and we coach together and everything else, but we are super great friends, and we want, I want, I want all you guys to hear all about your incredible life, okay? Starting with, you know, all your training, what got you into acting, um, your marriage to Vince Van Patten, and... The divorce. I want. I want it all. Is that is that too bad to ask? Is that no. okay? Okay, let's one give it to time, us. Though. Okay, one at a time. <laughs> yes. First of all, say hello. Hello. So, tell us about how you got into acting. I got into acting when I was about eight years old. Mm. I saw myself on a TV screen, a little TV screen, and it was some video thing that my mom was doing, and I remember thinking, I look really cute. <laughs> I swear that was one thought that I had. <laughs> and then the other thing that got me into it was just that um, I had an autistic sister. Mm. And my mother was very, I mean, nobody knew a lot about autism back then. I think mm. she was one of the first diagnosed. And my mother was just always, you know, in a state of upset. Mm. She, she didn't know really where to go for help. She didn't have any friends with a similar situation. And she, I think, had some depression and mm. was sad a lot. Oh. And so the way that I took it upon myself to help her feel better was I would act out all these little, you know, I Love Lucy episodes. My favorite shows were I Love Lucy, Cher, oh. and That Girl with Marla Thomas. Oh. So what I've realized now, looking back, is that they were all really strong women mm. who were also hilariously funny mm -hmm. and just brightened up any situation. So I think that that's really what I wanted to do because I saw the reaction that my mom had when I made her happy and oh, I wanted to do that for that other people. That is so sweet. Yeah. So what was the first, so did you go into studying acting or just decide I'm just going to do it? Yeah. What's when I was story? really young, I told my mom, I want to be an actress. And oh. my mom was really hippie and cool. And it yeah. was like, we were kind of co-parenting me. I was mm. like, I was the adult almost. And I remember I even wrote a beautiful picture once that said, I wish I were an adult, then I could help you more to my oh, mother. Oh, you are so, so sweet. And you guys don't know, which you'll get into later, that she does um, spiritual psychology. She's really, she's a giver. Thank You're a giver. You. Thank you. So I, I did say to my mom, I want to be an actress. And she said, okay, well, let's go try to get you an agent. And I'll never forget, we went to an agency down in San Diego, and they said, well, I had this, you know, big hair, like you. <laughs> Mine really is like that. And they said... <laughs> Mine really is like yeah. this, too. <laughs> they said, you have too much hair. And oh. I was like, really? Oh, I don't like that. 
And they said, um, or was that my grandma that said that? I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, they said there's not a lot going on down here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come back when you're 16? Mm-hmm. And I was dejected. I was so sad. You were rejected I remember, already from the first rejection. Yeah, I remember just having kind of like the wind taken out of my sail. Mm-hmm. And I remember driving home in the back seat. Kind of was. I feel like it was a movie the way I remember it, looking out the window and just being like. <laughs> I will never act again. I'm going to throw myself. But you never in, acted yet. In, well, I'm never in, at my house. I had though, oh, and in my okay. mind, I was this big actress. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to throw myself into school, and I did. Great. I became, you know, like the president of the ASB in sixth grade of the whole school. Middle school, I got, you know, like best dressed. I was again the president of the whole middle school. And then when I got to high school, I was starting to take acting classes down in San Diego, and I was starring in these plays and stuff mm. like that. So it kind so of. So what was, was your first? Did you did you take any professional acting classes yeah. out here in Los Angeles? Those well in but San Diego I, they were all professional. So okay. then I got a commercial in San Diego when I was sixteen. So you got the commercial. I did. What was the first commercial? Do you remember? The first, com- of course, I remember. Are you kidding? It was Game Pepsi changer. commercial. Pepsi for a buyout from Mexico. And we were on horses. So bizarre. I did. Is, I did a Coca-Cola buyout for London. Whatever. Go ahead. Well, I never saw this commercial, but there was five girls and five horses, and we got each had our own horse, obviously. <laughs> and I remember the director really featuring me. He kind of made me the star of the commercial, at least in my mind. That's how I remember <laughs> it. And I remember feeling like, okay, this is fun. I'm yeah. home. Okay. Then it was like all of a sudden I remembered, oh yeah, I wanted to be an actress because mm. I had really blocked it out. Even though I was doing plays and stuff, I was kind of set on going to college. Mm. And I don't know. It, it was. And then it hooked you. It hooked and then you me came. in. Do you remember who your first agent was? Um, yes, Mary Webb Davis, who was oh. actually ended up being my father-in-law, Dick Van Patten's agent as well. And that's another story. But I ended up... Um, graduating early from high school, I had enough credits mm-hmm. to graduate uh, half a year early, and I was going to move to New York, and I ended up moving to Los Angeles. And my dad had one friend up here, and that was Aaron Russo, a big producer, and he actually pointed me in the direction of William Morris. He had a friend there that was my commercial agent, and then I went with another friend from acting class to get my small little agent, Mary Webb Davis, who I probably should have stayed with throughout. Aww. But um, she was great, and I ended up working through her in the beginning. So how the the private school, was that one of the first jobs? or that, You became an icon from that. School. That was my first lead. You guys can all go look it up, private school. <laughs> I had already... There's some incredible video of Miss Betsy Russell on there. Yes, it's yeah. one of the uh, 100 um, most popular, what is it, of all the scenes... Of the sexiest scenes oh. of the top 100, it's one of those with oh. Marilyn Monroe and other stuff like Amazing. that. Amazing, yeah. So anyway, um, yes. What was the question? So I, you jumped into just that movie and it parlayed into all these other movies. Oh, what you happened? asked me, was it my first, my first role? Yes. No, actually, when I first moved here, it was during a writer strike, oh. and so I started modeling. Even though I'm like two feet tall, <laughs> um, I got a mo- big modeling agent, and she was going to send me to Europe. But then the writer strike ended, and Aaron said, "I mean, what I've learned Amazing. from that is like, even if you know one person, I mean, use him or her as a mentor," which I did. And I went back to 
Aaron right before I moved, went to Europe, and I said, I'm going to Europe to model. You know, you told me to model, right? It's still the, the strike. There's nothing going on. And he was like, no, it just ended. You have to stay here. And all my roommates that were going to go with me went anyway. <laughs> and we always talk about it. So I just started getting pretty quickly. I started getting modeling jobs. I started getting tons of commercials. I started getting little acting And, and you weren't nervous, were you? I just I kind of always you were think just, it was destiny. Yeah. It was like my it was like my comfort zone. Yeah. I won't say that being in front of the camera was so easy and comfortable and like I know January Jones said, Oh, I'm more comfortable in front of the camera than I am behind it. I never felt Not like me. that. I kind of felt like I really didn't ever a hundred percent you know, I wasn't on a TV series. I wasn't on a soap. Not that I didn't get offered them because yes, I did. But right. in those days, I was told you're supposed to do movies. So I, I don't feel like I had a steady thing that I did for two years on a soap where I really got my acting chops. I was always kind right. of starting, stopping, starting, mm -hmm. not working for a while. But in the 80s, I pretty much didn't work stop work working. Work. Yeah. And we're, when, when did you meet Vince? I'm kind of segueing across um, the board I met here. Vince when I was 17 at the Playboy Mansion where my grandfather lived because he didn't have for like this. Yeah. Stop it. My what? grandfather was um, was a big writer, philosopher, Max Lerner. He was really, they say, he was one of the great minds of our time. Yeah. And oh. he's written many, you know, college textbooks, America is a Civilization. And he, he was, was best friends with Hugh Hefner, who oh used to goodness. sit at his feet and listen to his stories. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's what one of uh, Hef's um, So you went there, you went to me. the Playboy Mansion? I'll tell you how that happened. So I'm working as a waitress in Yesterday, is a place called Yesterday's in Westwood, where you have to be pretty when to Westwood, get a job. And Westwood and used to be really rocking. It was huge. It yeah. was so that's where everybody went on Friday and Saturday night. I already had the job before I moved yeah. to L.A. Because I'd come oh. up to see UCLA with a friend of mine. And I was like, oh, I like it here. And the manager came over to say hi. And I was like, you know, I'm moving up here to be an actress. Can I get a job? He's like, you got it. So I already <laughs> had an apartment, a job, a hookup. Everything kind of came your way. Everything came together. And then you ended up at the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm waitressing. I finally became from a hostess to a waitress. And the one of the girls was like, hey, we became friendly. And she said, hey, do you want to go to the Playboy Mansion tonight? I hear they're having a, they're having a party and I was like I think my grandpa lives there <laughs> and he actually just lived there well he lived there half the year and oh. the other half the year his wife did want him to be home and otherwise he would have lived there full-time because of course he had a lot of his friends just live so up there crazy. and stuff like that yeah and um so I I, I'm writing actually a series and it's all these characters and everything I'm telling you is in it oh. and it's either going to be a series or just a script for a movie or whatever but I, in one of the scenes I go up there and I'm like grandpa <laughs> <laughs> he's like Betsy is that you you're all grown up and I was like, wait yes. so you hadn't seen your grandfather my mother and my, her father did not get along that well because remember oh. how I said my mom was you know a hippie she was outspoken yeah, 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 yeah. so she was she was sort of almost like a cult leader it oh. wasn't really a cult because when you left she was fine right 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 and you didn't have so to be there didn't, but didn't have a connection. she was like a leader trying to make her mark on the world I almost say that if she had done everything that she tried to do in a more positive way mm. instead of in a negative way where she cut people down if she had built them up I think it would have been much more beneficial for everybody which she did the best she could right. at the time exactly. knowing what she knew so you get to the Playboy Mansion you see you have her little reunion with the grandpa mm -hmm. and then where was Vince 
I'm jumping. There. I'm jumping around. Vince, we've got Vince lots and to cover. his family. If you were on the permanent list at Playboy, meaning that you were in the family and you could basically you could come up whenever you wanted. Oh. So Vince's family, Dick, Pat, Vince, and so Jimmy just, Nels. People don't know, but Vince Van Patten is part of the Van Patten family. Dick Van Patten and all his brothers, known for tennis. Right? Tennis pros. Well, Dick was on the biggest show in the 70s, Eight is Enough. Right. And Vincent had not really hit yet when mm. I met him. So he was just a, a he kid, was he a was kid actor. Yeah, he was yeah. a kid star. Mm. Working from the time he was 10 till he went out on the tennis tour. He quit acting when he was like 18, 19 to play tennis. And oh. he didn't get a college scholarship, which is... And then he became Rookie of the Year after I met him. And beat oh. you know, McEnroe twice and... So he was really a phenom. It was it, nobody had ever done that. Nobody really understands oh. how great of a tennis player he was and wow. a kid actor. So yeah. I'm the best ex-wife as far as like being a fan, but we're all still close. And it's I amazing. met him. It's so amazing. That I you, met him that up you there. Have a close-knit family. And um, I hadn't done any movies in at the time, but we just had an instant connection, and we just kind of hit it off. But didn't really start dating. He was mm-hmm. doing his thing, and 17. I was doing mine. Yeah, That's so young. Yeah. But I guess he, he went out on the tennis tour and saw me in private school and ah. tried to find me. Of course, I changed my number. And then, you know, I knew he was doing well. So I always say that we kind of fell in love yes. on TV. And right. I, you know, I had known him from TV. He had known me for the movies. And we didn't really have that relationship until, until we started dating to really base things on. So you married Vince? I married him. We had two beautiful kids. And uh, we were together 13 years, and I kind of took, I let acting take a back seat for sure. I mean, so how many years were you doing all these films and then got married? So it was okay, so I did all those films uh, from like 1983 till I got married in 89, Mm -hmm. and I got pregnant a few years later. So I think I got pregnant obviously in you know 92. So you took how many years off? Um, when did the first saw happen? Like two thousand one or two? So you so took a nice chunk years. off. Yeah, but I was I still was in Vince was producing and directing a couple of his projects, so I was in those. Mm-hmm. It was weird though, because you know, after Vince I dated Mark Berg, who I don't know if people know or not, but he's, you know, the biggest independent producer there is and he produced and financed Saw. So Which I was happens to be I have to just interject that my student Lee Lionel wrote them, all of them created them and sold it to Mark. Right. And then Mark went on to make it a big, huge success. Right, yes. So it was weird hanging out with Mark because I really wasn't acting when I first started dating Mark. And it was just funny hanging out with people that had produced my movies in the 80s. And we were all just kind of like not really talking about it. And I don't know if anybody can understand or not, but once you're an actress and you've, you know, you've been, you've had a lot of success and then you've kind of, you've taken a back seat. It's just strange because it's like a piece of me had died. Mm. And it was a part that I really never thought that I would give up. I always thought I'd act till I died. And then here I was, you know, with this big producer and with all these actors, but they thought, they didn't even know I'd ever acted basically. (laughs) So I just was like, this is creepy. Don't you know who I am? (laughs) It just was strange in a way. So when Mark said, hey, you know, why don't you get a job? And I was like, I've only ever been an actress. What can I do? (laughs) He was like, well, why don't I give you a one day part in Saw? And that sort of took off, and I was back. So and that was pretty Which cool. was an incredible character, Jill Tuck, which mm-hmm. is actually when Betsy and I first started working together. And we created such, and I say we because we really did yes. it 
beat by beat together, backstory, everything. And what we did in that role, which was so wonderful, because on the page, which you don't know because you haven't seen the page, it was just linear. It was nothing there. And we took all your personalizations, all your stuff, I'm Vince if he hears this. Guess what? He was a big part of this movie. And we used so much to create such a layered, incredible, wonderful character, which turned mm-hmm. into from one day into four or five films later. Yeah, one of the leads in the biggest horror franchise in history, I keep telling my son when he says, <laughs> Mom, you're not still an actress. And I'm like, don't you get it? <laughs> like, I was in a huge movie, and yes, I am still an actress, just because I haven't worked recently doesn't mean... Okay, so you love acting, <laughs> you created this role, you've been through wonderful relationships, divorces, breakups. What is the thread that makes Betsy Russell regroup, get strong, and have that driving force to go and succeed again? What is it in you? Um, I've always been driven, and on days that I feel like I'm not as motivated as other days, I'm okay with it mm-hmm. because I'd never judge myself. I've yeah. learned that I'm not the type of person, I mean, I'm a resilient person, we all are. And it's it's not understanding that that I think makes people wanna go to sleep and just not try. Because I have a history in my lifetime where I've always pulled myself back up. Maybe I've taken a moment here or there. But what is that, what is it, just? It's called resilience. Oh, resilience. It's a a fire inside of us that we all have access to. And that's what I teach now, that we're resilient. But she says teach, but what is it? Listening, we don't know. I'm a coach. I'm a life coach. Um, Based in your studies from? Well, I am a three principles practitioner. Mm. And that is really what I teach. And it's basically, I don't coach in a traditional way of doing therapy, which I used to do, which you drag up the past and you work with the inner child and you gestalt and you, you know, give everything a voice. That was kind of daunting for me to do. I didn't love doing it because it was draining and Mm. something inside of me didn't feel right going back to those painful situations in people's lives. If they were painful then, I just thought, why drag them back up? Mm. Why deal with all this? But let me just interject because all of a sudden you didn't just go into this you you trained what was where did you train and so I went to the University of Santa Monica and did study spiritual psychology for about four years I got certified as a life coach mm. there so I was practicing spiritual so psychology. that's where it parlayed itself into your own creation of what you do now well it just was an evolution mm-hmm. so after I did that process with with one of my best girlfriends she then started on this journey with three principles which is teaching the nature of thought and how we are all perfect exactly as we are, but for our thinking. And when we think that we're victims or we're broken or we have so much work to do before we're healed, guess what happens? You get stuck. We believe it. Yeah. So I I love that you're talking about that because this is my whole philosophy for acting and to, you know, living your life the fullest and that thought, the brain, the mindset. It all it, starts with the mind, which creates feelings and emotions, and it, nothing just happens out of the blue. If you're having a wonderful day and suddenly a thought comes through, which we can't control our thoughts, they can just they just come through about 80,000, 90,000 a day. So you mm-hmm. could be sitting at the beach having a beautiful day or teaching a class, and all of a sudden you could have that thought, why did that mother 
effer say that to me yesterday. What a jerk. And if that thought, if you focus on that yeah. thought, and you can even give it a whole life and give yeah. it a backstory. Yeah. And if you believe it, because thought is fake, it's fake news. To harp on that and to, <laughs> and to really give it a life, you could just go from here mm. to here. And you can mm. do that in your relationships. You can do it if you're on a date. You can do it when you're auditioning. How many You can people, do it when yes, you're on set. If you believe the fake news, which tells you, I'm not good enough to do this. I'll never get this A movie because I haven't done anything yet. So let me ask you something. So what do you teach to, to change that thought? Just to go to the positive moment? No. What do you do? No, you don't want to overlay anything with anything else because that's man-made. Mm. You just want to say to yourself when you're having that negative thought, wait a minute, I don't know what I don't know. Meaning you could have this whole story that you're making up in your head, but if it's not real and you don't, I always say to people, they say, oh, this girl hates me and, and she made a face at me and I know that she doesn't like me. And I'll say, are you sure you know that? She's oh, yeah, it's obvious. And I even know because the day before she did the same thing, mm. I say, would you stake your life on that? And they will, nobody will stake their life so on it because it's made So I love what you up. said. You said, you don't know what you don't right. know. I don't know this what I don't know. So, so brilliant for actors right. too. And I'm going to bring it back towards the acting because that's what I kind of want to gear it to, artists in this industry. Mm -hmm. And because when you get onto a set, there is tension and negativity if you think there is, right? You might feel it, but it might not be real. Or it could be real, but you don't know what you don't it's, know. If, can you hold tension? Can you show me where, where you can put tension in my oh, hand? Right here. And negativity? Right there. Is it a real thing? It's not. No. It's energy. It's so energy. if you lay more energy and put more focus on that, then in your mind, it's going to be real. That is really huge to me yeah. and to all the listeners. And guess what? Your whole life can be made up of these moments. And if they're not, then you're, what's going to happen? You're going to be fluid and open and joyous well, you're and just gonna, flow through. Yeah, but this understanding, this in understanding helps us ease. I call it the low moods and the high moods. So mm -hmm. you're easing in and out of the low moods and high moods mm -hmm. with ease and grace because mm -hmm. you don't have to say, oh my gosh. I, I'm in a bad mood today. I, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know what to do. I'm depressed. Or you obsess on what you and think so, someone's thinking about you. Right. Or... And that fear that it's that you're not going to ever feel good again mm -hmm. and that it's not going to get better, that's what anchors it in. Mm. So knowing that you know we are going to innately default back to our positive state of mind, back mm -hmm. to our happiness and mm -hmm. our state of peace, knowing that lets the negativity and the, the low moods lift much higher. Even if you've had uh, a death in the family, um, even if you've had a breakup, like I've had many. Um, <laughs> no, and I did have anxiety for the first time a couple years ago with one of my breakups, and I was had just started learning this stuff. Yes. And I really put it into action. I remember thinking, you know, first of all, I'm not going to harp on it. I'm not going to go down the what ifs. I'm not going to think back to the past, what I could have done differently. I'm going to watch Lucy. Ah. And it's like a lot of, you know, spiritual people would say, learning this stuff brand new, like, well, isn't that a spiritual bypass? Don't you have to delve in? Why? Are you going to put your See, hand back on the fire if yeah. you got burned one well, time? Well, I do no. have to say that, and in my book that's going to be coming out, that I changed the, the terminology of your pain pit to your power pit. Because I do believe that not necessarily in your therapy that you have to dig it back up, but if there's a way to use it to fuel it, then it becomes, because everything that's happened to you in this world mm -hmm. makes you who you are. Yes. And it makes you thinking that way because of all the little tricklies of things that have happened to you. Yeah. So if you change it. it to your power sure. pit, then. 
So maybe, I mean, I'm just going to say this, if the people are conjuring up, don't look at it as the pain pit. It's their power. Because all those little well, particles of energy that make them who they are, make them who they are. Can't we say, okay, what's the biggest thing that happens to actors on a daily basis? We have nerves. Mm -hmm. And especially my son used to say, you know, why wasn't I as good as I could have been? Oh, I was nervous. And so, true. And you know, he'd, he'd say to me, it's my goal that I'm not nervous. I'm going to be so relaxed. I'm going to make everything fun. And I'd say, well, why can't we just look at nerves as a positive thing to give us energy? Mm. Because I promise you, eventually, if you're doing a play or you're doing the same show for a bunch of years, you are going to wish that you had some shot that of energy adrenaline to, again. Yeah. yeah, so let's use it. But I will say this, and I tell all my students, if you're being of service, you can't get nervous. And I know that sounds dorky, but if you're really there to give, that and the nerves in the negative way. Because there's two types yeah. of nerves. There's nerves of energy, like yeah. you're talking about, and there's nerves that can be destructive to you. Well, so, what if I'm doing a show in front of you know an audience on TV of 10 billion people? Let's just say there's not 10 billion in the world, <laughs> but in case there were, and I'm doing it for an audience, I'm going to get nervous, even if the show is to raise money. So I'm just going to be like, if this is cool, I'm a little nervous, and I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, but that's positive nerves. Right. There's, oh, there's okay. a couple different kinds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So anyway, so let's... Um, I want you to give some advice. What would you give advice to people that are listening, because you've had an arc of a career, and now maybe we, you're open to having another resurgence of whatever's gonna happen in your career. I'm seeing maybe soap opera for you, which you would be open to? I'm open to anything that the universe sends my direction that makes me, if I think it and it feels good, I'm open to it. Mm. And there's a book called The Surrender Experiment that I love so much by Michael it? Singer. Okay. And his next book is Untethered Soul. I recommend those, for actors especially, Surrender Experiment and Untethered Soul because it really is all about just surrendering to the universe and trusting the universe that the universe has our back. Do you feel like, and then I want to go back to my question, but do you feel like because you you have went into your spiritual psychology that you know yourself so well that it's made you a better actress? I don't know. I don't really try to figure that out. I know that I do feel really good. In this moment, you know, at least the other day when we worked, I felt really good about what we did in a, in a short amount of time. Um, I would have to say that, yes, I have a lot to draw upon. And I would say that I really am in touch with all of this, the essence <laughs> and everything else. And I have a lot of beliefs. And you I have also... to be, you guys, you have to be in touch in order for you to be a really well-rounded actor. You have to know yourself inside and out. Well, then you also have to know how to tell the story on I the page. I don't like to say that. You know, I don't want to say that. I like that. to say that. She can say it. She's the coach. Yes. But I don't want to put those limitations on people. Then we've got What's people watching. What's limitation knowing yourself? Then we've got people watching, like I used to be, going... I don't think I know myself. No. Wait a minute. What is myself? Wait a minute. I haven't had enough experience to really be a great that's, actor. But that's not what I'm saying. But no, I'm not yeah. saying that is what you're saying. But I'm, I'm also just saying I trust that some people literally like January Jones were born and do feel more free playing another character than they do in their own skin. Yes, but just let me have my moment with that. Because yes. I truly believe that. Yeah, that's fine. And I think that for me But is it really only that character? That has to be a part of her. I don't think there's any absolutes because yeah. it's not real. Because you know is what thought. you know what you know. What was right. it? Right. We don't know what we don't know. So I'm what if have you to decide tomorrow that you know what I said yesterday was kind of crazy because this 
person came into my class. They've never done anything. I mean, how many actors are yes. discovered just because of a worldwide audition? Yeah. And they, what about the girl that just, that was in Roma? That, that oh. Mexican actress yes. that had never done anything. And she gets up and, and is nominated for Academy Award. I mean, I just don't like to limit anything because I believe in miracles. And so for let's me, get back to the question. Oh. So what <laughs> would you believe? What would, what would three things you would tell actors out there to do for themselves and to do for others? Or I read or, the Michael Caine book. Okay. I just read that. My two sons, one which is an actor and the other isn't. What's it called again? Uh, blowing the Doors Open or mm. Blowing the Doors Wide Open. I Michael wish Caine. I would have read a book like that back then because you know what he says? He says, go over the lines 10,000 times, which I always did. Know them so well that you're doing 15 other things and you're still going over your lines like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Know your lines, show up to the set and do nothing. Do nothing because everything looks so big. And if I go back and I'm like, I'm high. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wish I, I mean, I, I don't want to say that I would have done anything differently. I did the best I could, but I wish I would have known to do nothing and just be and just be okay with being and don't look back at yesterday's audition that we thought we blew because mm -hmm. we don't know what we don't know and maybe it saved us for something that's so much bigger and better coming our way. That's when you say to me, you know, she's having a resurgence maybe of her career and this and that. I'm always like that or something better. Yeah. I don't know what's right. next for me. Okay, so three things of advice. So you say... Learn your lines back and forth. No, I'm just, great. oh, I'm going to wing it and get there and just look down. No. No. Learn your lines. Because I've sat on the other side at auditions, and the ones that never looked down, that didn't look at their page, but they were just... Connected. Maybe they were, con maybe they were improving just a teeny bit, but they were connecting and they were there. Mm. Okay? That made all the difference for me. Know your lines. Um, be okay with the nerves. Don't be, like, trying to push them down and trying to pretend like you're not nervous. Just... Be kind of make friends with your nerves because mm -hmm. they're gonna be there at mm -hmm. every audition. Hundred percent. You know they're gonna be there, and then just do nothing. Say your lines. You know them. Know them so well that like but when I, I did the play, I, my brain stopped, but my yeah, mouth still but worked. You know the lines, and you're saying not to do anything, but you do know the thoughts because you've learned it so well. And also, so it's of course, about knowing it inside and out, do and your letting work. it go. Whatever your work is, whatever your process is, no matter how many classes you've gone to you pull and you you use whatever works I did for me the I best agree. yeah so in that moment do your work know your lines and then throw it away and just be open to spontaneity and then we'll say this together because you don't no, know what I don't know what I don't know together I, I don't, don't know, know what, what I, I don't, don't know, know. love you thank you for coming today thanks for having me go out there guys be courteously aggressive get it do it don't stop Go for it. She's the best. Thanks.